Welcome, one and all, to Nerd Pod Generations, episode 12. And let me tell you, folks, we have one hell of a show for you today. I am, of course, uh, one of your hosts, Steve Taylor, along with my lovely co-host... I am Alfred Judson. Hello, friends and enemies. Hi, man. How's it going? Uh, dude, it's good. It's been a crazy, crazy week. I am now, thanks uh, to modern science, as of yesterday, 100% fully vaxxed. Nice. So I am vexed from head to toe. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. It is a good feeling. I, yeah. I am happy. And it's it's like I went to Target tonight to get some hand soap, uh-huh. and I didn't have to have a mask on. Yeah. People still give you a weird look, but I felt good. I, I'm still masking up in stores, um, but I'm also masking up right now just because of allergies as well. That's, uh, that's one of the, the weird things that's kind of come out of this, is like, oh, I can actually do something to help with my allergies. Although I do get some, some pretty... Good looks mm. every once in a while while I'm walking Wilson, which is like you look around the trees, you can see the the oh uh, the pollen's insane. pollen's insane. It's insane. It's everywhere. I had I cut the grass uh, yesterday, and anytime I cut my grass now, as soon as I get done, I have to go in and take a full shower because I'm so covered in pollen yeah. that my nose just will not stop. My eyes hurt like yeah. it's horrible. I came in last night and my eyes were burning, and I just turned to Kelly and I was like, "You can see the wind." It's like a Disney movie yeah. out there. No, it's insane. Yeah. And it's not just pollen. We have, uh, the, our neighbors, they have this big, beautiful tree that's in their front yard and it kind of kitty corners ours. And they get those little helicopter yeah. pods. Yeah, yeah. We have nine gazillion of them all <laughs> over our driveway. And it's horrible. Like, yeah. I keep, I go out there with my leaf blower and I, like, every couple days, full, like, the driveway, it almost sounds like, uh, Temple of Doom when he was walking on the insects. Yeah. That's what it sounds like when you're walking in my drive. It's crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah. Like, what the hell is this shit? And it's spring. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to the falling leaves yet. Which I gotta say, though, the fact that we... I, I think a lot of it is because we had a very dry spring. Oh, yeah. And I'm grateful for that because we have a couple plants in front of our house that last year we had a very wet spring and they got diseased because they were too, too wet. wet. And now they're flourishing. Yeah. Because they we've had such a dry, which... Yeah. I don't know if that bodes well for the rest of the summer, if it's going to turn into the Sahara, or... I, you know, if it if it ends up going monsoon, I'm okay with it. It just gives me more reason to stay inside and watch stuff and not feel bad. Because well, every, every time when I look outside, that was like the one thing about 2020 that was nice, was you could look outside, have it be a brilliant day, and not yeah. hear your mom in the back of your head being like, you should go outside, it's so nice out! And That's what my mom sounded like. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um... Now, well, here's a question for you, saying, sitting inside watching things. Are you a member of Amazon Prime? I am. I am a member of Amazon Prime. The big news that they bought MGM Studios. I saw that. For $8.6 billion. Yes. So now, I'm hoping that translates into a earlier release on Amazon Prime of the new James Bond movie. I hope so. Do you think we're going to get a rebooted James Bond universe because I know that's the big thing that everybody's talking about with like that's that's the card that you get with MGM is you get the James Bond franchise. Yes. And so theoretically Daniel Craig is leaving. Oh, this is definitely his this last one the, he said. This is the time to do it, but is there a way to update James Bond in a way that's actually important in the modern world because it's kind of there's an element of James Bond that's a little passé. Yes. And they have kind of touched on that yeah. in this recent iteration, especially in Skyfall. Yeah. And also having M as Judy Dench. Well, now it's Ray, Ray Fiennes, Fiennes. But um, I think I think they would have to reboot it. Because I, I look at the Daniel Craig, James Bonds, kind of like 
the Christopher Nolan Batmans. Yeah. They're yeah. great on a level that you don't want to try to just interject a new person. Yeah. Did you start from scratch again, you know, different stories and bring and, it back up. And they also rebuilt the structure of the universe a little bit. Like I know that Judy Dench appeared in the James Bonds before Daniel Craig. Yeah, she was in the Pierce Brosnan ones is where she started. Um, so, like, there's that transitional point between the two. But I also think that this, the entirety of this series is much more grounded in reality. Oh, yeah. Than, say, like, any of the Pierce Brosnan movies, which are just, you know, I can't remember which one I saw. I saw the one with Sean Bean. Um, that was the uh, Golden Act. That yeah. was a good one. Um, but I just remember, like, there's there's elements of that that are just so over the top, and it works for that kind of movie. But that's yeah. not what they were doing with this. Well, they were Bond. still holding on to that classic Bond gadgets and yeah. everything they made fun of in Austin Powers. Pretty yeah, much. yeah, exactly. Um, I honestly, after watching, have you watched the Jack Ryan show with? Um, yes. Oh my God, with Krasinski. Krasinski, John Krasinski. I'm wondering if. In today's day and age, after the Daniel Craig movies are done, if Bond would work better in a series like that. You know, that's not a bad idea. And they could do it like they do Jack Ryan or like they do Doctor Who, where you don't have to have, you know, every year. They could take a year off or two years off, kind of like The Witcher, what they're doing now. They took a year off, and then they're going to be putting out a new season. They could do the exact same thing with James Bond. Yeah, well, and I, I always love this idea that uh, I remember in the, the early days of fandom when things were really starting to bubble up, I remember hearing this James Bond idea that James Bond is not a person, it's a title, and it's passed mm. from one individual to another. And so, like, what if that was an element of the show where we have, like, we have to find this new James Bond, why do we still use this name, is this something we still need? And you, like, forwardly address those questions while also... You know, kind of building a good series of, you know, we've had a lot of really successful spy dramas. Yeah. We have the uh, the Krasinski. Jack Ryan. Yeah, the Jack Ryans. And we have uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Yep. Was basically a superhero spy drama. And then you have the, the modern day Godfather being 24. I mean, that yeah. was like, that started it all that, off. That all launched it. The, the one man against the world. I agree. I agree. I think that could be interesting. That could be fun. All right, folks. So, first off, um, you can find us. uh, I know we've been shooting the breeze, getting off tans, but I I see this gentleman once a week, so we need need to get our conversations in. And we figure, why not give you guys the opportunity to listen to us just shoot the shit? Uh, So, what platforms you can find us on? We're on Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other miscellaneous sites. Uh, Make sure, if you listen, uh, subscribe to our uh, whatever podcast channel, and make sure to leave a like. Leave a review, let us know how we're doing, help us out like that, because the more people that listen, the more we can put into the show, and hopefully more entertainment value you will get out of the hour that you have to listen to us just flap our lips. Yeah, I mean, like, if if you want to teach us something, because we're too stupid to understand why a movie is great that we think is terrible, or vice versa, we can't know that until we get the negative feedback from you. Exactly. So. And I will give... $100 $100 to a person that can try to talk me into the fact that Titanic wasn't the worst piece of shit ever. I still haven't seen it. You're a lucky man you haven't <laughs> seen that. Um, Alright, so we have a big show today. Uh, first segment, we're going to be doing a quick hit on the new teaser trailer for The Eternals. Now, yes. The Eternals is part of, like, a major part of this next phase of Marvel. 
Yeah. Um, and the teaser, you don't get a lot in this. My first note is literally, what is this movie? Yeah. The part that's I think is a lot of people I've been reading, and I agree with this, supposedly the Eternals are this group of created beings by the um, Celestials millennia ago that right. come to Earth. And they decide they are going to just be watchers. They're going to help out early man, but then they're just going to be watchers. They're not going to interfere with humans. They're not going to interfere with us. They're just going to be on our planet kind of just watching. Yeah. But now what I'm wondering is, so you have all the atrocities that have happened throughout the millennia that they've been on Earth. Yeah. Including Holocaust, all of our wars, nuclear arms race, the Just, Battle of New York, Thanos and the snap that takes out half of the civilization of the entire universe. To say nothing of events that were barely escaped from, exactly. like Dormammu coming in in Doctor Strange. Yes. Or like uh, anything with Thor Ragnarok coming to Earth. Like these these things that could easily impact the earth that are just held back. But now barely. why now? Why now? Are they like Is Tony Stark that big a part deal? That I I hope they Yeah. They they have to because I love the cast. I like the cast. The cast, cast a lot. is great. Yeah. Um and I I have read up on the Eternals, which Angelina Jolie's character, I did not know this, so I read out of she's the first cousin of Thanos. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Well, I thought that Star Fox was going to make an appearance. I guess he's not. Because I thought that uh, Richard Madden was Star Fox. But oh, he's yeah. he's not. No, he's not. Um, and Star Fox is Thanos' half-brother. Yeah. So, like, I thought that this was going to be a whole Thanos backstory thing that we were going to get well, to. Well, that's the thing. He still might be in it. You don't Maybe. know. Yeah, we don't know. We I literally have no idea what this movie is about. There seem to be elements of it that take place now. Obviously, at the end, we see this thing that takes place... In the modern era, after yeah, it's, Captain it's, Tony die, it's mainly it looks like the the flashback scenes from when they first get to Earth, and then they might do like a almost like a Zack Snyder in the beginning of Watchmen kind of flashback where they show yeah. kind of what they've done throughout the the years that they've been on Earth. Yeah, but then what, what the fuck are they gonna do now? What is the plot of this movie? I don't know. Like, and who is the villain? Because we were talking before, uh, we are both jazzed that Black Knight is in this. Yes, Kit Harington, Jon Snow of Game of Thrones fame, is the Black Knight. Is the Black Knight. Who is eventually an Avenger. Yeah, and I, he's great, he has a cursed sword, he has a winged horse, he's, he's badass. Yeah. He's good, he's really good stuff. You bring him in when you have a magic problem, or when you need an Avenger in a Europe, mm -hmm. you bring in Black Knight, and he's, oh, he's just fun. Um, his cursed sword makes him go crazy if I if I remember correctly. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so like I have all these questions. Is he gonna be the villain? And if so, in what world could Black Knight take on the Eternals? Like the way like because I'm thinking about this as like the Eternals I know are, and I might be mixing these up with the Celestials, but I don't believe so. Are like the Beyonder and the High Evolutionary. They did the High Evolutionary. They could because that's where. You know, you have bridges like uh, the Inhumans and everything, although I also thought at one point that this was going to be a soft reboot of the Inhumans. Mm. Like, Inhumans didn't work. We're going to take the Inhumans idea and give it to the Eternals and yes. just do it again. Yes. 
but I, maybe not. The way that you're describing it sounds like Uatu, Utu, <laughs> Uatu the Watcher. My mouth can't work right mm. now. And, um, I, you know, what what are we doing here? What, what's going on? I don't know. And it's, it's, it's infuriating because that teaser gave you the glimpse that everyone has been wanting because the director is the woman that just won an Oscar for yeah. No Man Land. Yeah. And so it's and and everything I've heard is the viewing of the initial cut of this movie, the film uh, producers, executive producers, studio heads were shocked at how high a quality this movie was. It supposedly takes the superhero movie to another level as far as quality. So that makes me extra curious. Yeah. But then you're looking at the movies that are coming out prior, because you're going to have Black Widow, but that's a prequel thing, so that yeah. really doesn't have any... I'm wondering. I'm still wondering if they're going to try to like pigeonhole in some kind of thing at the end with it, or I don't she know. She can be brought Where it's back. like modern... Well, no, it's not supposed to be her. I, I, as a, some of the scuttlebutt I've heard in that is it's supposed to be her sister now. Yelena's going to take Yelena's over. Yelena's going to kind of take over the mantle. Um, and then Shang-Chi is coming out before Eternals, yes. too. That's September. That's September. And the Eternals is October, November, I think. or November. Yes, November. Um, and then the Loki show they're saying now has major ramifications for the MCU. So hopefully, Loki gives us a understanding on where they're going with this. Yeah, because there's so much. It's it's definitely leaning towards a very mystic. Yeah, with. Uh, the way Thor, Love and Thunder is going, and Spider-Man Far From Home, or not Far From Home. Um, uh, Far From Homecoming is what I always call yeah, it. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever that crappy Whatever there's home, home, something home. Because um, that's going to be kind of piggybacking on the Doctor Strange, where there's going to be interactions in those two yeah. movies. So it's it seems like they're going towards something more mystical, which would make sense where... Towards the end of this run, they're going to be bringing Blade in. Yeah. So that would kind of make sense to have that all connected, but I don't know how the hell the Eternals are going to work out. I'm looking at this, and I, I see that one scene of, I think it's, is his name Brian Tyree Henry, I want to say? Yes. Uh, he's doing the magic, and it's straight out of Doctor Strange. Yes. And you're just like, so is this where, are these going to be the guys that had the Eye of Agamotto? It makes you think that. Right? And, like, this so much of the Doctor Strange stuff that we've seen is based in kind of, like, these throw-off kind of lines that kind of hint at something bigger. Like, I remember um, Mordo talks about having the Staff of the Living Tribunal, and I'm Mm. like, how in the fuck? (laughs) And also, what does it do? Yeah. (laughs) So, like... You wonder: Are these just cast off lines? Is this gonna? Is Eternals gonna kind of help bring in some of the explanation on some of this? Is this just gonna be like we watched as long as we could, and then we saw what happened when we didn't intercede, and then we were like, I guess we should intercede moving forward. Yeah. Could the Eternals? This isn't gonna happen. But could the Eternals end up being like this um, justice overlords kind of thing, where it's like the Justice League but dark, and they. They have to protect humanity by taking it over. See, I, I can't... It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But, like, what is this movie? I don't know. Yeah. And how they're going to work into the MCU, I just don't know. I have no idea. 
But it, it funny you were talking about um, Doctor Strange and how they're, they're kind of tying into that. Kevin Feige came out. And, and now here's the interesting thing with this. When Doctor Strange first came out and they said that Tilda Swinton is going to be playing the Ancient One. Yeah. I was one of the people that's like, oh man, why you got to do that? Mm-hmm. I got to whitewash a character and make it a female. And I kind of like her as the Ancient One because Tilda Swinton's weird and she's awesome. Yeah. And she kind of was like... I liked her as that, like the in Avengers Endgame when she's there. And he said he regretted whitewashing that character when he, he, you know, everyone knows, well, they've never, I think, officially come out and said it, but it's a Tibetan monk in the comic books, and since China's one of the major uh, markets for Marvel, they were not going to make one of the main heroes a Tibetan monk. No. Um, So... For me, I'm wondering if this is going to be kind of also the introduction of where the Ancient One came from, the origin yeah, of the Ancient One. that would also make sense. Because I wouldn't mind if Tilda Swinton, even though she died in, spoiler alert, in the first Doctor Strange, but then in the flashback of Endgame, when they go back in time, she's there, you assume she's in the ether still. Yeah. And I'm wondering if they're going to find a way to kind of bring at least her consciousness, almost like a force ghost, back into the MCU. Well, and that's something that happens in the comics all the time. Yeah. I, I've read comics where Doctor Strange has to fight the, uh, like, the the darker feelings of the Ancient One that have been stored away in some something or other. Yeah. And it's just ways to bring back this character, you know. You have, See, I hope so. Yeah. So it's like, I you know, I don't know, I guess... I guess we're going to see. I guess worst comes to worst, we're just surprised by what we're getting. I just, like, I I can't help but look at it, and there's the part of me that's like, I don't, I have some celestial knowledge in terms of Marvel. I've uh, dabbled in Guardians of the Galaxy and these things. But I, Eternals are generally a, a big black hole in my yeah. records. I don't know what to expect in the first place. I mean, they did introduce Ego, who was... A celestial in yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy too, so you got a little taste of it. Yeah, I don't know, I man. Don't know. And and are is that going to be in any way related to this? I because I thought this movie was going to take place on Titan, so the fact that this movie apparently all takes place on Earth, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. All right, folks. So I think what we're saying is stand by to stand by as as information comes out, we will keep you informed. All right, segment two, uh, we're going to do a quick... uh, This was actually something that made me super happy uh, because Mr. Al mentioned... We were were talking about how we're going to discuss Castlevania. Yeah. And then I was talking to him about one of my favorite movies growing up, which was The Monster Squad. For those of you who don't know The Monster Squad, it is one of the quintessential 80s movies. It is directed by a guy named Fred Decker. Wrote and directed. He also wrote and directed a movie called Night of the Creeps. And he was also the writer on, I believe it was Robocop 3. I think so. He wrote that movie. Um, and he's written a bunch of TV shows. It. He originally wanted to make a Universal monster movie. And so Universal said no. So he had to try to figure out how to make his movie anyway. So he created The Monster Squad, which is technically a children's movie. Even though it is very violent. <laughs> has very dark moments has swearing in it, and it's just flat-out 80s and awesome. Um, So the whole basis of the story is, you know, centuries ago, Van Helsing 
sends all of the creatures of the night into this vortex, like this this dead zone almost. And then goes to modern times. Um, this boy and his friends who are part of a monster squad, they find a journal, which is Van Helsing's journal. And little did they know that in that journal was a passage to open this vortex and bring all the creatures of the night like into the world to just rule everything. So Dracula, Frankenstein, the creature from the Black Lagoon, the mummy, and the werewolf all go down to this town to find this book, open the portal, and take over the world. And it's up to these kids to stop them. And growing up, this was... It was in 1987, so I was 11 years old. This was next to Ghostbusters is in my favorite movie yeah. because it is it's it's got the 80s montage it's got the 80s music it's got the 80s clothes it's the 80s kids movie that is should definitely not be a kids movie no and even I think it was PG-13 it was PG-13 but nowadays I don't know if it would make a PG-13 with some of the violence there's definitely moments in there that if they ever brought back the yeah. Monster Squad, they'd have to do a, a real uh, nice trim around yeah. some elements in that movie uh, that would just generally not Like when to... Dracula grabs a four-year-old by the face, pulls her up to his, and calls her a bitch. Yes. I don't think you can do that nowadays. No, I don't think I don't think people would be huge into that. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the level of bullying and malice in the oh bullying oh that happens... God. Uh, it's fat kid. The fact that the kid is just fat kid. Fat kid. That's his entire name is fat kid. Um, My name is Horace. Da -da! <laughs> All right, so I I'm gonna shut up. I need to know what you think of this movie. Okay, so the I was thinking about it today, trying to figure out how how I wanted to go about reviewing this, and I think what it is for me is that it's it reminds me very much of the Goonies in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, but it's like if the Goonies is Disney, this is the Fox version of that story. I could see that. You know, where it's like everything is darker, <laughs> the tone immediately is different. Yeah. Um, right from the jump. Uh the you know, like it, it starts with this little uh over the screen crawl where it's talking about Van Helsing and fighting Dracula and it ends with they blew it. And I just saw that and I was like, Good. And then I saw Shane Black was the other writer. Yes. And I was like, cool, let's see where this goes. And then immediately, like, we get into this 80s high, or high school, middle school. And, high, yeah, it was middle school. And it just, like, you're immediately like, oh, oh, no. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can't do that in a movie anymore, guys. Um, and it, it, but, like, I, I did enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. A lot of elements of it. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as someone who would have seen it as a kid. Yes. But for me, it had that same flavor that something mm. like Goonies has, where like you could sit down and start objectively arguing about all the different things that happen in Goonies and how many of them are realistic and how many of them are, you know, work on a on a story level or necessary. The entirety of Data as a character. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that that is not why you're watching that movie and like i can sit here and be like well why is you know 
this stone and this one house that Dracula is also in. Where does the Wolfman come from? Because he just shows up. He's a guy in a police station mm. who says, I'm a Wolfman. Kill me, kill me. Which, by the way, I loved. Oh, I thought awesome. that was... The Wolfman element was my favorite part yeah. of the entire movie. And I'll admit, I am a werewolf guy. Like, that is... When it comes to this... this avoir of monsters... Um, I, I tend to lean into the werewolf of all of these characters most. Um, and so the way that they did the werewolf here was excellent. Well, I'm, I'm, it was either, it wasn't Stan Winston. What's the other guy? Um, oh, Sam. Uh, why am I drawing oh, a blank? What is his, hang on, let me pull it up It, it might've been Stan Winston though. I think though. it was Stan Winston. It might've been. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to double check on that. Um, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on the other dude. Um, I feel like a, a bad horror horror front, but yeah, no the the werewolf transformation yeah um, was unbelievable, and it's because they got one of the best in the business to do it. Um, yeah, let me just look up makeup artists because this is taking too long. Yeah, um, and and you're right. The the werewolf character for those of you who don't know, the werewolf was played by. And once again, the actor's name is, I'm drawing a blank, it's Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Um, <laughs> and he's awesome. He is absolutely awesome at it. And, like, there, some of his transformation scenes are just terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. And, you know, it's not just the werewolf either. Like, the mummy was really the well done. The mummy's really well done. Frankenstein was great makeup. Yeah. And, you know, the Dracula, they went old OG. Like, yeah. it was... It was very Lugosi. It was a very Lugosi. They they powdered him up good. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, but he was like even he was a terrifying character. Like yeah. he played Dracula, not as someone you would be like, oh yeah, no, he's not. He no, he's not scary at all. He plays the Lugosi type, except without any of the charm or charisma. Yes. that that role necessitates. Yeah. Um, he's more menacing. Yeah. and violent. And oh, he's super violent. Super his, violent. Super, his first. Move is violence. His yes. second move is violence again, just in yeah. case the first time it didn't work. Um, but the I remember the shot where he I think he gets shot with a shotgun, and he he's like a half bat, half man, monster, and like bleeding on the floor. Oh no, that's when the uh, the dad is driving up and he shoots him with his. Uh, he had like a forty five or something okay. like that. Yeah, he yeah. shot him like three or four times. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I just I remember seeing that effect as well and just being like, dude. This yeah. is this is good eighties stuff. There was some really good makeup There's, when he's on the ground half bat. This is that good, good eighties stuff. Yeah. It's you know, like it's up there with the thing mm. and that kind of stuff of just these amazing practical. And even effects. even the one of one thing that I didn't like how they kind of changed the lore of the werewolf where they blow the werewolf up <laughs> and have him come together. together. But when when he blows up, like they show the bloody remains yeah. of him on the ground, yeah. and you're like, "Holy crap!" He's in a pile of pieces, yeah, all over the street. Super gory. Yeah, it was so good. And and that that was an element where I was like, "Bravo!" Yeah, because they they took the standard and they said, "Okay, let's run this out to the ridiculous." Yeah, and then they also called back to this ongoing joke they had. Where, what is the second way to kill a werewolf? There's no second way to kill a werewolf. There's only one way to kill There's a werewolf. Only, yeah, silver bullets. silver bullets. Also, uh, Rudy, I think is the name. Oh, yes. He's the best goddamn character in that movie. Rudy! He's so good. He's so good. <laughs> he gets the picture of the dude's sisters. 
tits. <laughs> and he put... That was one of the moments he where I was drinking like, the soda and then he stops and he yeah. looks up. <laughs> that was that was one of the moments where I saw that and I was like, oh, you can't do that. That and when he blackmails her yes. using the phone, I was like, oh, you can't do that anymore in a movie. And that's still one of my favorites is when Frankenstein takes the picture and he's like, bogus. Yeah. Bogus. For some reason that makes me laugh my ass off every time. Um, that freaking uh, character. Like, they... They were able to get some of the, like, emotional thing in there with the little girl and Frankenstein and all that. That was one of my favorite scenes, is when Frankenstein first approaches her. And it is exactly Exactly. of the original Frankenstein. Exactly. Where she's throwing flowers into the water. I was so impressed. Yeah. I stopped dead. I was like, in this movie? Yeah. You're going to do this in this movie? And it was an awesome, like, the way it was shot, too, they did it, like, softer yeah. to make it look like almost a dream Like Yeah. And he walks up, and she kind of looks up. So So great. good. So good. Leading to her calling everyone chicken shit, a little yes. three-year-old girl. That yes. was awesome as Which well. Which, I'll, I'll say, I'll probably get in trouble with this one day when my kids are responsible for mm. it, but kids swearing... One oh, of it's the, the funniest best. things in the world. Oh, it's the best. It's it's just I it yeah. will never stop being funny to me. No. Kids, kids, and old people. Yeah, those two, instant, instant. Yeah, is hilarity. All right, so now the whole reason we got on this wonderful discussion about the Monster Squad is we are going to give our final review of Castlevania, the final season, plus. The overall series. Yeah. Now, this is a spoiler filled, so if you have not seen the final season, you might want to stop now, go watch it, and then come back and listen to the rest of it. Um, we're just giving you that warning right now. Yeah. Alright, so now, main topic, Castlevania. What was your take on this final season, my friend? I, I, I dug it. It was definitely a season where there were moments where I was like, "Where are we going? Where, mm-hmm. where is this going?" Um, I will say that the stuff with Hector and Isaac, which I'm gonna preface by saying I like, mm. I like what they did. I like the direction that they took those two characters in terms of their overall story. Um, there were a lot of moments where I was like, "This has to pay off." Because there's other stuff going on that is arguably more interesting than this. And if this doesn't tie back to that stuff in any way, then I'm going to kind of look at this as like a, not bad, but it has to pay itself off. Mm-hmm. Kind of in the Faramir Law kind of way. Of like, you gotta, you're going to take this gamble of having this whole storyline with Styria and the four vampire queens and Hector and Isaac and Isaac's whole journey and his coming to new philosophies and all this other stuff. Yeah. It has to work because if it doesn't work, then I'm going to just spend the entire time wondering why are we doing any of this? Mm-hmm. I think it worked, but I think it was close. Going back and reviewing it a second time, I was like, this is there are moments here where I'm like, let's I would rather be doing other stuff than having a conversation where three of the vampire queens realize this is a terrible idea. Let's go completely back on everything that happened at the end of the last yeah. season and just undo it because we realize now that this is a terrible idea. And it, it's like that that was like that was definitely one of those things where as it kept happening in every character, hmm. 
kept saying it. I was just like, okay, I'll give it to you. Because it's interesting, and it's a bold move mm-hmm. to have the villains be second-guessing their own plans and then end up kind of just dispersing as a result of that or deciding that there are better things for them to do with their mm-hmm. lives than this. These are all interesting ideas, and the execution on it works, but it's it got a little chancy there at times. See, I agree with you. That was the one storyline that, to me, I think they were getting to the end, and they're like, we really don't know how to what finish this. this. And they finished it up too quick. Yeah. Like, having the two married female vampires, like, their storyline was, like, done in a second. They see the castle explode, and they're like, well, I guess we're not going back there. You want to go get a beer? Yeah, and they're just, like, gone. gone. Just gone. And then the one who had the the death where she stood in the sun, that was, you know, that That was was all right and all. And then Camilla getting just destroyed by Isaac and all of his nightmare creatures. To me, that was my least favorite storyline in this final season, but it had my favorite moment, which was from this final episode, where Isaac has a conversation with one of the nightmare creatures. Yes. Who's questioning why they're rebuilding a town. Yes. That was an awesome that scene. That was an incredible scene. That was really well done. That was incredible, because uh, in the scene, and it's Isaac talking to a fly monster. It's yeah. not It's not just like anything. It's, a, it's like... Um, you remember Baxter Stockman in the 80s Ninja Turtles? Yeah. Yeah, it's that. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's he's just having blackberries, and he's sitting there talking about philosophy. And if a tool is for destruction or if a tool is for building, and if a tool has emotion, is it a tool? And if the gates of hell are left empty because all the demons go on to Earth, mm. then what is the role of the demons on Earth? And it's just like, this is... Really deep. Really good. <laughs> and then how he had the creature, he pretty much forced him to eat a blackberry, and when yeah. the creature did, it was almost like he remembered his humanity. Yeah. And wanted another one, because yeah. that flavor, because for those of you who don't know, all these nightmare creatures are dead humans that are brought back to life as these horrific monsters, you know, pretty much they're like, their bodies are now portals for these demons from yeah. hell. But this creature eating the blackberry, because all it wanted to do was murder and kill and, like, eat flesh. But eating that blackberry made it remember its humanity. Yeah. And that was incredible, watching it realize, I know this. Yeah. Well, and, like, the voice acting in that scene, too. I was just re-watching it today. It's really good yeah it's it's like bone crushingly good yeah it's there's not a lot of action in, in terms of i've heard this uh recently uh pencil mileage the idea of how much actual drawing is going on on the screen how much actual movement is happening on the screen there's not a lot no but there doesn't need to be and the voice acting and directing is so amazing oh so good the the guy who did the fly's voice i have no idea yeah, who he was but uh he he brings this cadence mm-hmm. that is so good and at first it's terrifying and then it's confused and then you really like you're you're you don't feel for him but you you're curious about yeah. him by the end of the conversation you're just like but what is this what does all of this mean yeah. in the greater arc of the universe where is all of this going just so excellent so well done and anyone that poo-poos on animated anything yeah don't (laughs) Don't this series holy shit (laughs) if you want 
And uh, my wife was like, oh, you're watching Castlevania. I've heard about that. Should I watch it? And I was like, you might like it. It's really gory. Yeah. <laughs> it's really gory. There are threesomes. There's the most depraved violence oh my God. you could ever imagine. It's... It's like we were talking about Dracula screaming at a four-year-old child. Yeah. Like, this is that on steroids. Yeah. This is like, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, there's a scene in like the first episode, like the very first episode, not just of the season, mm. of the series, where a baby is killed in its oh, yeah. crib. And you're just like, holy yeah. shit. No, women and children die Endlessly. by the truckloads in this show. The season three, one of the hardest seasons to get through is so hard to get through because an entire village is sacrificed. Yep. And you're you're just left feeling... And then even worse revelations come out after that. Yeah. And you're just like, I feel awful. And the character's like, we feel awful. This sucks. What happened? And that's what I love about it because if you are going to make... And that's where movies off of this type of story and off of this type of lore kind of gets short is if you're going to create something where there are demon monsters roaming the countryside, there are vampires leading them and killing people, it's not going to be pretty. No. And, I mean, there's the cult that's trying to bring back Dracula, that's opening up portals, and they're killing people, and it's... It's going to be what we have here. And what they were pretty much saying is, we're not going to sugarcoat it. No. This is what you would get in this type of situation. Here you go. This is all in. Oh, my God. This is all in so on the good. whole of it. And that's the thing. Like, for me, I love the series. I think this is the best video game to any other media adaptation there ever has been. It is that good. Yeah, I would agree. From voice acting, writing, uh, animation, storylines, the whole thing is great. I was a little surprised by how happy the ending was. It was very happy. It was ridiculously... Like, for, for those of you who have not watched this show and don't think you will watch it, from what we have just told you, we are not sugarcoating it. It is the most violent, depraved thing you will ever see in an animated show Next to, like, the worst thing they make in Japan, pretty much, in anime. Organs are a co-star. There's yes. just as many uh, entrails and, and fluids as there are faces in this show. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucking bad. Yeah. But the ending is like a Hallmark movie. Ending. Yeah. It almost is a little saccharine. Yeah. You almost... No, it, 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 I thought it was... I thought it was borderline saccharine until Dracula and his wife are back. <laughs> and they're just living their life. Yeah. And they're like in love again, in love. Okay, so the main characters in this show, folks, are Alucard, which is Dracula's son, um, Belmont. It's not Simon Belmont. It's uh, Trevor, Trevor Belmont. Belmont, and then um, Cipher Benalus. Cipher, and then you also have Dracula and his wife. And the whole basis of this story is in the beginning, Dracula falls in love with a mortal woman, and then she's a scientist. Yes, and then she gets killed for heresy. By the and church. By the church. Well, of course by the church. Yeah. And then Dracula, like, destroys everything. That's his whole goal now is to destroy humanity after they took his wife from him. And Alucard is Dracula's son, who's half human, and so he fights against his father. And long story short, gets to the end. You have Alucard, Belmont, and Cypher 
all fighting against the forces of evil because they're trying to bring Dracula and his wife back into a he-she body of sewn-together body parts of a man and a woman yeah. to put both souls into this one form, which is fucked up just to say that. And you think that, because they get destroyed at the end, that the form that Dracula and his wife and that form gets destroyed, and you're like, all right, so they must be dead. So you have Trevor Belmont looks like he dies. He does die. Okay, he does he die. He straight up dies. He gets vaporized but of course, anime style. Of course, that he gets a portal. Oh, Bill Nye's character opened a portal for him. Yeah. Just in time to save him. So Wait, at the after, very end... Which, like, have, I gotta say, he very clearly died. <laughs> but you could see... You could see... That character like wave his fingers. Oh, I got like, like he was I, over to I see that they cut back to him and his hand comes up and he's like wait he's pulling yes. towards the key and everything and I get in okay yeah. you gave yourself a back but no door. he died but he straight up died he straight up died we watched him die we watched the life leave his eyes so at the very end you have Alucard who falls in love with this woman and he decides that the town that he saved. That the woman belongs to, they can all come and live at Dracula's castle, which is his home. And Cypher is pregnant with Trevor Belmont's baby, and then Belmont comes back, and he's alive, and they're all going to live happily ever after. And then you think that's it, and then they cut to Dracula and his wife are free of this body, and they're alive in their bodies, and now they're just going to live their lives in peace. And they're just, they're just vibing. And it's like wow. ten minutes. It's like a solid ten minutes of the, last, yeah. the end of the show. And like I didn't mind it. I found it kind of funny. I I did try and think back because season three ends so bleakly. Oh my god! That you're like, it's bad. Season three was depressing. Oh my hell. god! It rips your brain apart. Depressing. Um, and so I was like. All the seasons must have ended that way, right? And I was like, no, a lot of them ended with kind of like faux happy endings. Yeah. But not this happy. This is, I don't know if it was too happy or not. It came off a little ridiculous. I'll say that. It came off a little little ridiculous. ridiculous. And I think the thing with me is I wouldn't mind this ending if it wasn't a complete 180 on the tone of the show. Yes. Because there was nothing in the show that was that happy. No. No. At all. Nothing this good ever happened to these characters. Like, I could see Alucard and the the woman he's in love with and their town and then having Cypher stay to raise the baby. Yeah. But Belmont being dead. I that would have been a perfect ending for me, yes. honestly. And they and they had set it up that way too, yeah. saying that they were gonna name the town Belmont. And like everyone would have been happy. And then you bring him back for <laughs> he, goddamn reason. He just Deus Ex Machina's back into the story. Yeah. And he's like, Yeah, I washed up on the North Shore of the Danube and it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You died. You straight up died. Oh, I don't know. I don't know so, why like, they would go this it, happy. It feels, it does feel like a cop out because I don't mind these characters having a happy ending after the hell they went through last season, right? Conceptually, the the last season's ending and then the beginning of this season, the first six weeks of this season, mm. uh, you have like this endless hell. They go back to this idea over and over again. Where people are like, oh, I thought you two, you know, they're fighting vampires. And the vampire's like, oh, I thought you two would be harder. You're these big legendary vampire killers. And they're like, yeah, we've been doing this every day for six months. 
Yeah, they were exhausted. So we're done. <laughs> we're dead in our bodies. Um, but, and I like that concept of it. I, I, I almost want to say that I wanted more. That because that's the stuff when they go back to um, Targovishta. Yes, the original village the, that started it all. That started all that sacrificed yep. Dracula's wife. Um, there were so many elements of that, whether it was the the rich underground that was fucked club, up, or whether it was Sypha's general dismay at yeah. everything that was happening and the kind of de-evolution of the humans in this this town as a result that of that. That underground, though, that was supposed to be the royals, <sighs> and the lead woman in charge was actually crazy, and she the royals just, were dead. That shit. That was awesome. I yeah. wish they would have gone more on that, that. The thing is, like, we end up with so much stuff in Styria, and it's fine. It's resoundingly fine. Yes. It's not bad. It's not good. It's yeah, fine. It's fine. Um, there's elements of it that I will deeply applaud. I really like the Hector Isaac balance at the end of the series where Isaac comes in and he's just like, we've never been able to make our own decisions. This is the chance we get to actually make our own decisions. Let's go make our own decisions. And Hector's like, yes, I will do this with you and I'll bring my vampire girlfriend with me. And it's like, okay, cool. And then there's a big fight scene. You're like, great, thank you. Also, I don't know why this took so long. Yeah. Because I, I, I kind of want to see what's going on with this Russian vampire and the, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Valdi, uh, what, the guy that was voiced no, by Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, McDowell, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that, that ended up being the angel of death. The angel of death. That was death himself. I will say, that was the one moment in the first episode where I, I almost laughed out loud, was when it's, it comes after the super dramatic scene where they find this group of priests and they're just sacrificing people to this statue of the angel of death and these two super high-end like level 100 monster hunters come through and sypha looks at it and she's just like what were they sacrificing it to and trevor's like oh i think it's their perception of death and she's like it's literally death and he's like it might be i don't know and i'm just sitting here like there's no way the two of you haven't heard of the grim reaper there's there's no way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they would explain that. <laughs> that way. that one didn't work for me. Unless um, they had heard and just didn't believe it, like it was some folklore. But like, this is a world with vampires and all this no, other I stuff. Know. Like, I, no, I, know. I just, I can't. I, I, I find that that was the one element where I was like, really. Yeah. So when he came back at the end, I was like, cool. I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad that you're voiced by Malcolm McDowell. And uh, I was, I was reviewing it while me and Kelly were. Uh, watching other stuff so i had the sound down and i was mm. just watching it play by and it was like watching a motion comic yeah and had the same kind of cadence had the same kind of feel to it the language was very similar i love that death is such a he has a terrible mouth on him oh, he's such a <laughs> um but like i th- there there were definitely moments where i i kind of paused and i was like okay i don't mind that we're doing this it's fine i got a lot of questions and on rewatch those are going to be the things, you know, because yeah. it reminds me of the end of Wonder Woman, where the first time you see the end of Wonder Woman, my the initial, first, the first one, okay. where like you see that the ending and uh, Ares is defeated, hmm. and World War One ends immediately, and the power of love wins, and I remember sitting in theaters being like, okay, I'll take it. But every time I go back to it, and every time anyone he talks about it, I have to defend that scene. Yeah. And I can't 
do it because yeah. after a while you're just like I can't there had to have been a better way to do this and there are definitely moments in stereo where I was like okay but like let's do something let's no, do they anything done, else they could have done something different yeah and that's that's the that's the and you know as far as criticisms go the fact that that's really one of our only main criticisms of this whole series yeah is a good it's a good thing for the series well and I'll also, you know, I'll, I'll double back on myself and just say, because of that whole thing, we get Isaac's arc, which is awesome, and also means that we get some of the greatest monster design. That's just true. Period. There's so much good goddamn monster design. Yeah. And there's in so this many show. different ones. Oh my god, it's there's such a range. Yeah. And there's such a there's a variety of look, but there's a there's a through line to it as well. You kind of see where it's all coming from. Yeah. And the monsters are both horrifying and I won't say exciting but like there's something energizing about seeing them where I agree. you're like oh it's about to we're it's going to go we're going to go it's going to happen and it's happening here you also see kind of like this this arc kind of almost pokemon style of like okay so you have this is the basic one and then it evolves into this thing and then yep. it grows into this thing and it's just like so much creativity so much interest so much variety yeah and even though some of them can get killed very easily, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be an easy fight. I I still love the monster at the end of season three that has the bow and arrow. Oh, where it yeah. shoots bones that come out of its hands. Oh my god, the design on that is it's so, so good. good. It was so it's good. so it's earth shatteringly good. And like you know, that's that's another unfortunate thing with the ending is it does not set itself up for anything. Anything else? No, we're um, done. Which... We are done. I would love for them to even maybe go further back to the yeah. original Belmont, Simon Belmont, Simon and, Belmont, and their original battle with Dracula. You know, I I hope because I know this has been successful. It's it's been critically acclaimed. It's been very successful on Netflix. I, I can't see them just throwing it away after four seasons, saying, "Well, we did that. Let's move on to the next thing." It's yeah. like, okay, now is where you can go back and tell the lore that happened. You know, because they bring it up quite a few times, at least in the first season, of the history of the Belmont clan. Yeah. And it's like, that's a lot you can there's a whole go thing. back. Yeah. There's, Huge amounts. There's a whole arc. You can do the whole thing. And Trevor, by the time he comes around, he's on the very tail end of it. So you yeah. have like 200 years of Belmont and I would love to see, I would love to see Dracula as Dracula. Because in this series... He mainly is like this heartbroken. He's Dracula being. for one episode. Yeah, and then the rest of the series, he's this very melancholic. Yeah, he's almost like man. the emo Dracula. Yeah, well, like in in season two, there are full moments where everybody around him is talking about this war he's supposed to be fighting, and he looks like he's dying from the chemo he's receiving. Yeah, he's like he doesn't look like he's alive at all. He's yeah. just flopped over he's in his not chair. Alive. Yeah. <laughs> if he did, he'd have a reflection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I loved it. I did too. I love that show. I will probably go back and rewatch it many, many more times. Uh, I I love Saifa as a character. Oh, she's, she's so, so amazing. So she might be like in in those hallowed halls of who you know who you got. Saifa versus Avatar. Either uh, Aang or Korra, I'll take either. Man, I don't know. I know Avatar State and they have an extra element, but Sypha is a fucking 
beast. She's badass. She's a beast. She is a badass. And when she gets pissed, holy yeah, shit. That's a powerful magician. Holy, holy crap. crap. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I think we might have talked your ear off enough. Uh, this has been a very wonderful, exciting episode 12. I hope you really enjoyed it. Um, once again, you can listen to us anywhere pretty much podcasts can be found. Um, for me personally, you can find me at staylorbooks.com. Uh, there are links to uh, Spotify, I believe. I have links to our Spotify, and I, I believe I have Apple Podcasts on there as well. And there's also a part, if you look under the tab for uh, NerdPod Generations, there's a part to uh, send us comments, questions, or whatnot. And how can they find you, sir? I can be found at judsomstudios.work under the Bronx Division tab. Uh, you can just hang out with us. We have lots of photos. We have this show. Uh, I only have it hooked up through Spotify because I don't truck with Apple. Um, used to be a Mac guy. I used to be a hard Mac, be a guy. Mac guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we do have a comment section. Nice. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So, judsomstudios.work. All right, folks. So, uh, make sure to catch us next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but the way shit keeps flying out at us as far as I know we're, get, we're getting a lot of video game uh, information over the next week because E3 is coming up, and so there are oh, a lot boy. of spoilers are coming out. So it might be a video game-centric show. Who knows? Um, it seems like every day we're getting more and more material. So yeah. we picked the right topic kind of yeah. podcast we, for us to talk about. We found a nice deep pool to wade into. Yes. Yes. We're going swimming in the nerd. Oh, yes. Oh, that didn't sound right. It's a, it's a scummy pond. That really didn't sound right. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I hope you have a wonderful evening. All right. Have a good night, friends and enemies. <laughs>